In a world where it seems like there is so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who spend their lives doing good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and I'm so thrilled to have on the podcast today, Tim and Aubrey Chavez. They grew, did I say that right? That yep. was perfect. Nailed it. I, but I know, I, I've asked you and I think about it, but then when I say it, I'm like, I hope I'm saying this right. No, that was it. That <laughs> was it. it. Good. They, they grew up near Salt Lake City, Utah and went to both middle school and high school together, which is adorable. Did you date in high school? A little depends, bit. Depends little on bit. who you ask. Yeah. Okay. We're always together. Dating. Okay. Like hung, hanging out on the same group of friends. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Tim served an LDS mission to Montevideo, Uruguay, and he attended BYU for his undergraduate studies before earning an MBA from Harvard Business School and is now an entrepreneur working in Utah County. Aubrey received a degree in elementary education from Utah State before teaching fourth grade for two years. Fourth grade's my favorite year, by the way. She now owns a cake decorating business. Tim and Aubrey are the parents of four children. Tim and Aubrey, welcome to Doing Good. Thank it's you. our pleasure to be here. I'm yeah, so excited me. to talk to both of you. So you knew each other in middle school and high school. When did you officially start dating? Oh, I can tell this. So Tim, Tim got home from his mission in February, and I happened to also be home from school. And I asked him to go for a long drive with me on Valentine's Day. And Ooh, a long drive. Yes, this and it was, literally it was five days I just thought, after I got I thought he'd be bored. He didn't have any friends at home. And so I'm just saying, I, this is a confined space alone, one-on-one <laughs> yes. with a girl. Oh, you're probably terrified. Oh, it was horrifying. Was, Absolutely horrifying. Can I add, he, he asked his mom to tell me that he had to be home by 11 p.m. <laughs> but it was so fun. And we, we actually, we went to, we went to visit some friends who were living in Logan and it was great. And we sort of, we had kept in touch while he was away on his mission, but yeah, after, after that, we, we spent most days together and we're married that summer. Oh, that is so sweet and smart move on your part. Like I got to get him alone <laughs> where he can't escape. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I dated this boy and he's so sweet. We didn't end up getting married, but I wrote him for his, through his whole mission and then met my husband, but I'm like, I have to wait. I have to just see. And Two days after he got home, he came over to hang out and he's like, can we say a prayer before we hang out? <laughs> oh and I'm like, yes. And, but it was a, like a kneeling down prayer. Oh, and wow. These sweet boys that are just like, I don't oh. know how to be around a girl anymore. Like I need, he needed it some divine really, help. That is really sweet. Aubrey it actually censored the, the worst part of that story, which was that at the last second, as we were pulling out of the driveway, I insisted that we pick up another one of our friends so that we no. weren't alone. So we did grab another friend. You did have a third wheel. We, did. we didn't we, pray, but we did we have did. company. But you did I, have a chaperone. I was saying a prayer in my heart. You were saying a prayer. Like, please bless. She won't try to kiss me. Yeah. 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 Well, that is awesome. And then yeah. was it like... What was different about that conversation and that car ride that made you think, hmm, maybe there's something there? You know, I think, oh, go ahead. I, I, oh, I was, to, gonna, I, to be honest, I had been in love with Aubrey since we were 16, 17. And so it was very, it was pretty clear to me that, that I wanted it to go somewhere. Yeah, I, I, that's really what I was going to say. It was just, it was like, oh, finally, the timing is perfect. And we're just meant to be together. I love that. But you were the initiator, Aubrey. Yeah, I'll take credit for that. I love it. Yep. 
Okay. I love it. I kind of was in in mine and my husband's relationship too. Like I said, I I was writing a missionary and and waiting like for another one. I just I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really I don't want to get serious. And so he was trying to be respectful of that. Well, like, okay, well, we shouldn't kiss or I don't know, whatever. And I'm like, why? <laughs> of course we should. So same thing. We went on a drive, got him alone, and we were sitting outside <laughs> of my house. And we were like holding hands kind of like, you know, up by our mouths. It was so obvious. All you had to do was like drop your hand and you would kiss. And he wouldn't. And I'm like, what is wrong with this boy? You will not kiss me. And he's like, I'm trying to be respectful while you're making these decisions. And I'm like, no, I want to kiss you. So I kissed him. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Oh, that's awesome. So good on you, girl. Sometimes we just, sometimes these boys are just a little nervous and we got to make the first move (laughs) (laughs) to snag them. Okay. So I would love to talk about, Tim, you went to Harvard Business School and Aubrey, you come from elementary education background. So tell me about how you both got involved in the Faith Matters organization, which is incredible. I'd love for you to tell our listeners what it is and how you got involved, obviously from a business standpoint, but then Aubrey from elementary education, how has your degree helped you in becoming a part of Faith Matters as well? Yeah, well, I can start. And I think we have to go back probably several years to explain why Faith Matters was interesting to us. Because after we got married, I mean, we were very much, we were on the straight and narrow that, you know, young Latter-day Saint couples are, are on in those years. Yeah. And and everything is very smooth sailing for for several years with our faith. And luckily, it's always been smooth sailing with our with our marriage. But in about 2011, so this is five years after we after we got married, I started to really have some internalized doubts, you know, testimony questions. I had been I, I had been reading a book, which is actually an amazing book by Richard Bushman, who's a maybe the most widely respected Latter-day Saint historian that we have, a man who's been a, a patriarch and is a very active in practicing and faithful Latter-day Saint to this day. He wrote a biography of Joseph Smith called Rough Stone Rolling. Yeah. I read this book and man, to be honest, even though it's the best history we have, it was so different than the narrative that I had understood, you know, just growing up in primary and Sunday school and, and priest quorum. And even on my, on my mission, sort of the simplified history that, you know, you're, that you present as a missionary. Did it really, it did, it did shake me, to be honest. But I was very, I was very afraid to bring that up with, with anyone. The fact that I was having questions, that I was having doubts. I, I felt like to some extent, Aubrey and I had built our relationship and especially our, our marriage relationship on the idea that we, this was a gospel that, that we were going to be faithful to for the rest of our lives. You know, we had made that yeah. covenant in the temple. And so I had a lot of fear around if I bring this up with Aubrey, is that a you know is that a betrayal of that of that covenant in some sure. way or at least or at least an implicit promise that I made you know and it was really really scary and I kept that inside for probably six to twelve months and there came a point where I felt like I couldn't I couldn't hold it anymore and to be clear it wasn't just Richard Bushman's book you know it's once you find something out then you go Google it and you and there's all kinds of sources and you don't right. know where it's coming from but it's right it's, it can be really it can be really scary. And this is, you know, this is more than 10 years ago. So this is before the gospel topics essays on the church's website. This is before saints. And so it's a, it was a little bit more like unexplored territory for a, just a lay member of the church. Sure. And I remember distinctly one night we were, we were driving home and we had, we had our two little kids in the back, one, you know, two-year-old and one newborn. And I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in anymore. They were asleep. 
And I just told, I just told Aubrey, Hey, I, to be honest, like, I am feeling like, I don't know if the church is true. And I didn't know what the reaction, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. And I was super scared. And, you know, like, is she going to say, well, that's it for us. Like I'm taking off, I'm taking the kids, you know, yeah. whatever. And to be fair, I should have had a lot more, I should have had a lot more trust and confidence in her because her reaction is exactly what everyone, everyone in that situation hopes, which is she grabbed my hand and said, I don't know what it is, but we're going to go th through this together. And that's exactly, and she never deviated from that at all. So Aubrey, do you want to pick up the story a little bit from there maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I remember that night very vividly because um, honestly, it had never, I'd never been able to actually hold that thought and like really consider it. Like what if the church isn't true? Like it just, right. it was, so, it was so, it was such a huge and central part of our life that like, I just wasn't even capable of, of truly asking that question. And so it, it was, I remember it so vividly because it was the first time that I kind of felt like I was like having this, like I was like in the middle of a tornado, like, oh my gosh, like it was so disorienting. Like that yeah. is a real question. Like, oh my gosh, what if it's not true? And we yeah. had, you mentioned like we grew up, we, we grew through these, these really formative years. Like we, we had been friends since we were, you know, 12 and we had such good friends who, who sort of insulated us in a, in a really healthy way for that stage of life. I think like they helped, yeah. they made it so easy to live the gospel. And, yeah. and it, like, they were the friends that like every parent wants their kid to have. It was just, it was easy to be good and, yeah. and it was expected. Like we held each other to such a high standard. And so I had literally never been, my, my faith had never been challenged because it was easier to like the flow was going toward the gospel. Like the flow yes. was having a testimony. And so it was just, it was easy. And so it was, it was earth shattering. It was really scary. And, and I think another thing that became very clear in an instant is that I had, I had been holding a lot of misconceptions about reasons that people leave the church. Like up until that exact moment, it was simple to me. Like it was simple that when people leave the church, it's because they get tired or they just, they never did the work. They never put in the work to really gain a testimony. And and it was like there was something moral attached to whether you believe or not believe. Yeah. And and in that moment, like with every with all these years behind this relationship with Tim, it was so clear that like I I know how good he is. Like I know how hard he tries. And so it was really clear to like something much bigger was going on. And it it wasn't it wasn't laziness or any sort of desire to do something easy like I could tell that this was this was so sincere and that and that it was coming like he was it required so much integrity to to talk about it and and I had I felt nothing but like love and respect and I wanted to figure it out because if he had a question there must be something very there must be something big that I haven't considered either and so that was kind of like the kickoff like that was the beginning of of deep faith it was the beginning of real questions like the it was the beginning of asking questions for the first time and you know it was terrifying because yeah. we couldn't see where it was going and 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 for the first time I felt like I actually didn't have the answers and up until that point it had felt like I was asking questions but I knew that the answer I was going to get and so I I was always getting the answer I expected and it was scary to ask questions that I really I truly didn't know the answer to I think it's so brave to well to share this story but but also to be able 
to tell someone, I don't know this and I'm struggling with this. And I think sometimes we think, oh, but but strength means that you don't ever question. And strength right. means that you just, no matter what, you just, you keep going. And the scriptures tell us over and over to ask, 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 seek, find out. It says doubt not. And I think doubting and questioning are two very different things. Doubting is assuming it's wrong. And it's like, prove me, prove that it, this is right. Prove to me that, that, that this is, this is right. And doubting is like, I'm, I'm first going to believe it's not true unless I find out. Questioning is, man, this has kind of rocked my world and I don't understand this. And I am seeking to find, and I think it's such a beautiful testament of your marriage that you sought together and that you clung to him and him to you, that you were the person that he turned to instead of a colleague or parents or that, that he said, I need to, I need to talk to my wife. And that you said, okay, and then we are going to seek together. And I think that is such a beautiful statement that you said that was the beginning of deep faith. Do you feel that in having these questions and in walking through this darkness, it propelled you to even greater light and knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead, Aubrey. Okay. I was just going to say, I, I think that, I think that it, it did, but we didn't know that that's where it was going to go. And so that's what was so scary about it. But it just became clear that, that digging in and like putting up blinders and pretending that we didn't have questions, have questions. It started, that started to feel like sort of like the opposite of faith. It felt like there was nothing authentic about it. And so that relationship with God started feeling like a facade. And so it, it it was very clear that like, whatever this is, like this relationship with God should be the truest thing in our life. And yeah. so that should feel like at least being able to completely be honest about our real questions. And, and at that point, I think like, maybe this is all semantics, but we didn't really even have language for what was happening. Like, I don't know if I would have called it doubts or questions. We, we were not cynical for sure, but I think we, we kind of like had this new commitment that sort of felt like a scary adventure. And and yeah. that at first that just looked like saying the thing that was the scariest, like saying the fear that we had, which uh, about our testimonies, like what, what are you really afraid isn't true. And like, once you, once you put it out, then like, there's something at, le at least the shame starts to dissipate. And, and like, when you can't talk about it, you're, there's so much shame and fear that's like that's like layering and layering that yeah. it's really hard to even recognize what you're what you're actually trying to ask right and so being able to talk about that with each other and be completely honest about the thing that we felt the most vulnerable vulnerable about what that was that was the gift like that was the thing where we started to see faith grow because we could at least practice like being honest with ourselves and then being honest with each other and then slowly it felt like we started having a like an honest relationship with God. Yeah, and for me, one of my one of my favorite books that we've read in the in the years since this happened is called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan, so a Catholic priest who lives in a hermitage and has sort of dedicated his life to to God in many ways. And he's his ideas have really begun to resonate with me. He's just the most the kind and thoughtful and loving and loving person. But this book. Falling upward, the, the, just the title of it 
you know, implies sort of a paradox. You don't, when you fall, you right. go down. Right. And what he's saying is that in order, in order to have a, a transformation of your faith from something that relies sort of on certainty and doggedness and, and dogma in order to some, and, and wants to get somewhere that's more open and to use the word you use, Carmen, questioning, but not, but not cynical, there is a letting go that's required. And that's the part, that's the part where you fall. But I think, and this fits in beautifully with Latter-day Saint theology, like when you fall, there's always what we might call Christ's grace to catch us, you know, and it, re and actually in order to be caught, we have to fall, like we have to stop relying on our, on our own strength. And so this process, this, even though it was in many ways, a darkness for us and a, and a chaos for us in many ways, yeah. it, it was the first thing that taught us that, that letting go and over time, and it did take a lot of time, we found ourselves in a much, in a much healthier place, in a, in a, in a place where we potentially know less than we, than we quote unquote knew. Yeah. Uh, and, but we're, but we're open to questions and we're finding real resonance in our, in our faith in new ways. I love that. And it's being members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It, it's unique because when you, when someone has a faith crisis or, or makes a difficult decision to leave, or they don't know if it's true, it's not just like, I'm not going to go to church on Sunday. It's your entire world. It's, it's, baptizing your kids it's going to the temple it's eternal consequences and is there eternity and <laughs> does that matter it's it's your lifestyle it's what we eat and drink it's what we wear how we talk how we dress it's it, it's it's a really it's it, it's so integrated in every part of our lives which would make something like this very scary and and rock your world of like well but this this isn't like I don't know if I believe in God. Let's explore that. It's if that isn't true, or if I read something, then, then who? It's like you go back to who am I? <laughs> yeah. Who am I? And 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 what is our life going to look like? And what does that mean for our children and and for their lives? And so that that would be that would really shake you to your core. That's right. And so I would love to dig deeper into each of your individual journeys with this. So, so Tim, when, when you were reading these things and, and when you started talking to Aubrey about it, was your intent to, I have to find out the truth then if, if this is real or not, or was it, I, I'm not sure if I, if I need to stay, like, what was your decision? Like, am I deciding if I'm going to stay even having read all these things, or am I going to get to the bottom of these things and find out if what I've read is true? Yeah, and to me, those were those were really one and the same thing. Okay, and I think a lot of people, and not everybody, but a lot of people see it this way too. Like, if the church, quote unquote, if the church is true, then you're going to stay, and if it's not true, yeah. then then you have to leave. I, I, I see it a little bit differently now because I don't, I, I don't think that the, even the the phrase that the church is true or the church is not true makes a ton of sense because even though we believe and we we see evidence of god and and jesus christ's hand everywhere within the church it's also an institution that is run by by humans and god i think is constantly having to put up with all of us you know all the way up and down in every calling i you know i'm the ward organist slash primary pianist and it's like i like my humanity is going to be injected into those callings no right. matter what and <laughs> I, I like i feel i feel bad about that but that's 
that's the case in the church across, you know, across every calling. And yeah. so to me, I, like I said, I don't necessarily think of it in terms of the church is true or the church isn't true. It's more like, is God's, is God's hand here? You know, yeah. and am I connecting and am I connecting both to God? And is that connection causing me to connect outward to people both, you know, in these sort of concentric circles with Aubrey, with my kids, with my community, with others. And that's, and I have found over the years that that is happening. Like I am finding something truly transcendent in my, in my faith experience at church. And it is, and it has changed and is changing who I am in my relationship with with everybody else. And so, but that was not my, my perspective to, to get back to your question at the beginning. It was like, if this is true, I'm staying. If it's not yeah. true, I'm leaving. And so that gets, then you go crazy on your research. Then it's like hours and hours daily online. It's, you know, it's listening to podcasts, it's, do, it's reading books, it's just like trying to get to that question. Just maybe the next thing I'll read will prove to me that that the church is true. And that journey that that can take you know that can take a while yeah before you before a perspective can start to change i will say that one thing one thing that really helped us was listening and and reading the work of terrell and fiona givens i don't know if you've come across yes. their work in the oh, past yeah. mm -hmm. oh but they're they're just incredible and we discovered them maybe in you know 2012 2013 type of time frame I remember Terrell going on going on a podcast and being asked some pretty difficult questions, you know, about the historicity of the Book of Mormon. And one specific thing the podcast host said, okay, horses in the Book of Mormon. What do you have to say about that, Terrell? And Terrell said, Well, I I would say that that's a problem. And my mind basically exploded because for someone who is, and now we know Terrell personally, as yeah. Faithful and dedicated and active and loving as he is, dedicated to not just not just religion or faith, but dedicated to our tradition, to the Church of Jesus yeah. Christ of Latter-day Saints. For him to hold both of those things, like, well, that seems like a bit of a problem to me. And this is how I'm living my life. Like that sort of non-duality in his perspective yeah. opened up a whole new, a whole new way of thinking for me that became became really foundational and ends up sort of with our transition into faith matters. But I will I'll let Aubrey. Yep. I love that. Is super interesting. Yes, Aubrey. So, uh, say I, I think we kind of started in very similar places. I literally had a like a Google Doc where I, I with two columns, like things that made me feel like the church was true, things that made me feel like there this was a fraud. Like I was literally like keeping a list because in my mind, everything depended on that. Like yes. if it wasn't true, I felt like we we morally like we needed to leave. Like we should yeah. leave because we should go find something that is the true thing. And so yes. it was terrifying every day to like have this question weighing on my mind. And I remember I remember also the feeling that that faith was very out of my control. I felt like I woke up in the morning and it was like taking my temperature. Like how in did I feel today? And and it that was a really scary thing to just feel like I had no agency here. It was like, it was a feeling. It was like, do I feel like I believe? And like, I'm trying to convince myself. And then I'm, but I, but I really was committed to being honest and like looking into the things that felt problematic that I had been too afraid to look into before. And so it was, it, it was just a, it was a, it was a scary thing every single day. And I feel like looking back, like the arc of the journey looked like very black and white thinking at the beginning to to something that is a lot more fluid and open and and I I feel like I'm able to feel peace in uncertainty and that was I was completely incapable of that in the beginning and 
And something else that Terrell said, I think maybe even in the same interview is this, he, he sort of talked about faith, like it was something that you couldn't be compelled to feel. And so I remember his example was like gravity, like every time you drop something, it's going to fall. So you'd, right. you're kind of compelled to believe that gravity exists. You don't right. really get to choose that because every time you drop something, you'll see it. And so he sort of compared that to faith. Like if if that's how faith worked, we would have no agency. We would have to believe if we were, if if there were only good reasons to, if there were only reasons to believe that the church was true, then like what agency do we actually have? And so I started this new idea that like, you know, maybe there will always be reasons to stay and reasons to go. And like, maybe faith looks like making that choice for myself, even though it's not clear, like, even though there's no certainty. And up till that point in our life, like certainty felt like kind of a badge of honor. Like, I know the church is true. Like, it's yeah. something like you, you're, you're in this like, other class, because you're sure, like, you're sure, and it's a gift, and you're grateful. And like, your life is ori oriented around this absolute knowledge. Right. And so to lose that, I felt like we sort of we were grieving it. Like it, it was oh, so yeah. disorienting to, to like learn how to live with some uncertainty. And it was about this time that I learned about another book by James Fowler called Stages of Faith. And, and that was maybe the most life-changing thing that I had read up to that point. And it's a, it's a framework for faith development. This, that was written in like the eighties and, and it's a, he does a study involving the United States and Christians specifically, and basically overlays faith development with other frameworks of child and adult development. And they realized that there are very common stages that people of faith flow through. And in, and so, and one of them looks like in the, in the middle and about the third stage that you have very black and white thinking and you do feel certainty, like you, you know, or you don't know, and everything can be easily sorted into some, into this sort of like simplistic good or bad and, and I really identified with that. Like I absolutely knew what that stage felt like and I was very comfortable there. And then in the next stage, you have what he calls a leaving home experience. And that can be is, is a faith crisis for a lot of people, especially if you experience it later as, as an older adult. And it looks like disorientation. It can look like depression. It can look like anger, but basically your the faith of your childhood sort of deconstructs and, and everything starts looking different. And it's a really scary stage, but there, but then they keep, you keep moving through that. And the fifth stage looks like sort of a reintegration of, of, of your original faith. And so maybe it looks like returning to the faith of your childhood. Maybe it just looks like being at peace with what you had as a child, but you, you're, you're reintegrating other wisdom, other wisdoms that you learn as an adult. And, and, and it feels less like an either or, and more like a both and, and, and so I could I could read that and like hear it, but I didn't feel that peace at all. And I, I think that's something we're still working toward, but it gave me a vision of what faith could look like later. That we what we were experiencing was this very turbulent fourth stage. It was this yeah. really turbulent deconstruction. And that wasn't the end. And right. and I thought it was. Like I thought we had hit a wall and like I couldn't see, I thought I was losing faith. Like I thought I was, I was like in this free fall that was terrifying. And so he sort of like gave me a vision to, to realize that like, this could actually, this, like this honesty and this seeking could actually be a maturing of faith. And, and there could be connection on the other side of it. And that gave me so much peace, even though it, it was still really scary. And I, it took so many years to just kind of be able to tolerate uncertainty that like gave me the vision. And and I would describe now 
I think the reason that it feels like a deeper faith now is that I still have a lot of uncertainty. Like they're, they're really, I don't have answers to a lot of the things that, that were really bothering me 10 years ago, but, but yeah. I feel like there's peace in the uncertainty. And I, I really think that that's what the Bible is talking about when it, when it says the peace that passeth all understanding. Like to me, that's what that means now. Like I really can't explain it. I can't explain horses in the book of Mormon and I can't explain polygamy and there are a lot of things that are uncomfortable, but I, yeah. I feel like th th there's peace in the fact that this is still working as my vehicle to connecting to God. And so all those things, Carmen, that you mentioned about your community and like your lifestyle, like I really do value those things. And I yeah. felt like I had to trade them if I couldn't prove that the church was true. And over the years, what started feeling more comfortable is that I could choose to believe that those things were valuable, even if I could never prove that the church was true. And, yeah. and that all by itself was just gave, gave me this feeling of being settled inside all the uncertainty. And, and there is so many, I, I love what both of you said. And, and Tim, when you talked about, you know, the fallacies of man, like there, we are all imperfect and we all are make mistakes. And, and you hear about people that are in leadership positions saying or doing something that you're like, that seems odd. That seems weird. And I loved Elder Holland's talk he gave a few years ago when he said, Heavenly Father has to deal with imperfect people, which may be incredibly frustrating for him, but he deals exactly. with it. And that's how it is. It's like you guys make mistakes and really dumb mistakes sometimes, but that's who he, that's who he has to work with. That's and exactly so, right. And, and it is. It's, we're not going to be perfect. And so it, if we can separate the imperfections of man with the perfect, beautiful light of Jesus Christ and say, I can, I, I can believe in Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father and, and this beautiful gospel and think that the way my bishop said something was wrong, you know, and think that the way that this was handled is not the way that maybe I, I would have handled that. And it doesn't mean that the church isn't true or Jesus Christ doesn't love us. It means that we're imperfect and we make mistakes and even sometimes really big ones or really public ones. But the, but the, the blessings that the church gives. I have four boys, two are in young men's right now and watching them have this community of instant friends in our neighborhood, a safe place to go where they feel loved and accepted every week on Wednesday and every week on Sunday is incredible. And, and I had surgery a few weeks ago and I have this community of women in my Relief Society reaching out saying, how can we help your family? How can we take your kids for a couple of days? How can we, can we bring you meals? Just the sense of community that the LDS Church brings to, like you said, is such a gift. And there are just so so many wonderful things that have nothing even to do with the doctrine, but just that that the church can bring to your life as well. I totally, and, I totally agree with this. Sorry, I bet we're gonna say the same thing. Are you going? I don't know. England? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go <Okay>. ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say there is this. There is a, a Latter Day Saint. He's he's passed away now, but several dec decades ago, he was writing and thinking a lot as a scholar named Eugene England. And he wrote, he's really just an incredible, incredible guy. And actually Terrell Givens latest book, I believe it's his latest, is a biography of, of Eugene England. But he wrote an essay that's been really, really impactful for both, both of us called The Church is as True as the Gospel, which to our Latter-day Saint ears can sound like really heretical, you know, when you hear it right away, because we, we're so used to saying, you know, the gospel is true, don't focus on the church. But like you're saying, Carmen, the church itself does bring us actually so many good things. And it's yes. it, it's like the good things where it's like, 
you know, you've got a community, like you said, you've got a community of friends and support when you're going through difficult times. And, and we see that too. But it's also the really difficult and hard interactions. Like yeah. you implied, we, so early on when we were going through this, we actually took, we sort of took these issues to a bishopric member and he reacted just saying, oh man, you know, we've got some doubts. Like we don't know what's going on. Just like we need to talk this through. And he reacted very, very poorly with anger and fear. And actually, Aubrey talked to him first, and then he brought me in and 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 told me, "Oh, you know, like you're endangering your endangering your family, and oh. don't you believe in this, and don't you believe in that?" And it was just like, it, and it like, you know, raised his voice, and it was just really a, a difficult experience to have it at church, which you you know, up until that point had been a really safe place for me. Yes. Uh, and so, but what's what's interesting is though you have to find a way to work through those types of interactions. And yeah. at that point in my develop in my development, I wasn't, I, I hadn't dealt with that. And so it actually, what those types of interactions offer you is room for growth in a way that you've never grown before. And yeah. so the metaphor of like, you know, a rock tumbler has started to mean a lot to me. It's like, we all go in, we all go into this tumbler and the container could be the church, right? Yeah. And we're these, we're these unpolished rocks with jagged edges. And then you tumble for a while, and yeah. what comes in, what, what comes out is beautifully polished rocks. And it's not, it's. I mean, part of that polishing could come from the container itself, from the edges, but most of it is coming from bumping bumping against the other rocks. You know, <laughs> yeah, from having those interactions with with everybody else. And yeah, like we were talking about, it. Uh, unfortunately, our humanity is going to is going to show through in nearly every interaction. But it's like yes. it's just those that process little by little of of getting your own rough corners you know sort of hewn down and this, yeah. at, at the same time it happens with with everybody else that you're acting with and leaving leaving the church and i don't want to and i'm not judging anybody that that has has done that but i right. do think for me removing that container it removes all the tension of the rocks and you and and it potentially could remove a lot of opportunities for growth and i've continued to see that as we've as we've remained practicing and active and it's funny that like we talk about how it'd be so great if like our leaders just did it better or our neighbors did it better. We're more like us, like it, it would relieve all that tension. But like, really, would we want it any other way? Like if the point of our if of our church service and our church worship is to bring us to God, like, is there any other way that we could practice? Like we I think we really do need that tension for growth. Like you just you can't grow by yourself. Like you can believe you can say you believe and think you believe in forgiveness all you want. But if you've never had an opportunity to like stretch your heart and like extend forgiveness to someone who is actually in real life done something that feels unforgivable, then, then yes. like, do you really know, like, do you really believe it? And, and church gives us that opportunity. So I, I think he nailed it. I think it's true. Like we, the church is as true as the gospel because it's our, it's our practicing ground. It is. And that that is such a great way of saying it. My son actually got a rock tumbler for Christmas. And so I love that analogy. Of, and it's loud and clanky. And, right. you know, yeah. the, like we're all just like, ah, like voicing our opinions. <laughs> and it's true. And, and, and yet the whole purpose, like you said, is to become more polished versions of ourselves and to help to help each other clink out those rough edges too. And, and to be, and I think that's something that's so great that, that, that you two are doing is that you're sharing your story and, and allowing others out there that are like, man, I'm going through the same thing. And that's really great to know that it's not because I'm weak or it's not because I've done something wrong. And it's not because I'm 
I'm, I'm someone that lacks faith. It's just part of being a human on this earth and having questions. And I'd love to ask you, Aubrey, if you feel like you would have gone through this deep faith transition if Tim hadn't come to you all those years ago and said, I don't know, or do you think you would have stayed the course and believed and still stayed in your black and white phase of faith? I think it, I think that there were a lot of things that I would, you know, we talk about like putting something on the shelf. Like when there's a question, you just like put it on the shelf and wait for it to be worked out. And I think that my shelf was getting really heavy. And, and so Tim's sort of invitation to do this with him, like that was enough to just be like, okay, I, I, I need to like start figuring this out, but I think it wouldn't have been long before that shelf broke for me too. And yeah, so I, I don't know. It was a gift to be able to do it together because we both both felt so vulnerable at the same time. And so that was, it was a blessing for our marriage because, you know, every day we were talking about the hardest things. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I'm grateful that we went through it together, but I, I think that, I think that, yeah, that, that shelf was getting too heavy probably to be sustainable for very much longer. So what advice would you give to couples that are going through this, either one or more spouses are going through, you know, a, a, a questioning their faith and wondering what they believe in. How, how were you able to help Tim? And Tim, how were you able to talk to Aubrey about these really difficult things without it driving a wedge or, or without getting defensive or you need to listen to my point of view or, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, what is this going to mean for us together? How, how can spouses support each other? Because this is, it, it is, it's a really big, scary thing. And, and, you know, of course, I'm sure the first thought that came to your mind is, are we going to grow together? Or is this, are we going to grow apart from this? Yeah, I think for me, the, when someone starts feeling this way, the first need that they often have is to have some sort of outlet, some sort of community in which they can be honest and vulnerable and share what they're thinking without fear of reprisal. And I think the best situation is if it's for a married, if it's, this is a married person we're talking about, the the best situation is if that, that could be their spouse. And I don't want to be judgmental, but I think in my experience, at least having Aubrey be a person that I could talk to completely openly was maybe the biggest blessing in my life because we're, you know, we're always together and this doesn't. And so you can talk about it at at all times, but probably more importantly, this, the stakes are so high for us as a couple that being able to be open is, is totally key. And I know that's not, I know that's not the case for, for everybody. I know that there are a lot of people who have started to have doubts and questions and their spouse has, has not been open to it. I I do think even in that case, it's helpful. It, it is helpful to have some sort of some sort of community that where you can where you can talk about it. So it, you know, it could be a it could be a friend or a brother or sister or a or a parent. You know, often I think it, it's true that this is these types of faith crises are happening more often within within the younger generation. But that's also a part of what we've done and hope to do at least at Faith Matters is give a sense of, a sense of community for people that feel like they're stuck in some way, they're having questions, they're having doubts, they, they're they sort of like longing to like break into a new paradigm, but they may not even know that yet. Sure. And they, and they need something, they need some way to talk about it, to hear, hear it discussed. And 
that that's been a key part of what we've done both i think with the with the podcasts at, at faith matters that's been going for several years now and for gatherings that we're just starting to have and we mentioned to you carmen just before we got started that the first big gathering that we're, we're having is going to be in october in salt lake city and a big reason for that is that there's only so much there's only so much that you can do when you're just listening to a podcast or reading books even though those things can be really helpful yeah. getting getting together with people that have been on a similar spiritual journey can be so nourishing that yeah. it, it can be it can really be essential and so we're hoping to help you know provide some of that i love that can i just add i i feel like for me i think that the most important Thing that happened when when we started having these conversations was to be really honest about what I was afraid of. I like yeah. how you're both like wounded people, right? And so yeah. you have this what Brene Brown calls chandelier pain. Like you have uh, some things that like are just going to trigger you. Like you yeah. just for some reason that they you feel very reactive around very specific things. And I think it was really important for us to start recognizing what those were. Like and in this very specific context, like what is my biggest fear? around what Tim is telling me. And yeah. if I was being really honest, at the very beginning, I was mentally counting the the months and the years until our oldest daughter would be baptized because that was scary. It was like, oh my gosh, like what if the worst happens? Like, it, and in my mind at that time, it was like, what if this means that like, what if Tim doesn't come to church on Sunday, this Sunday? And like, what if this is the end? And what if we're like not even going to be members? And like, how will I tell my grandparents that like, our oldest daughter is not being baptized. Like those, those were the probably the least important questions, but that was like the fear that was taking up all of the space in my mind. And so I wasn't capable of having real conversations because what I was actually thinking about is like, you have to baptize our baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know right. how to deal with that. Like, I don't know how to do that if you don't. And, and so once I could kind of digest, like, what am I resisting so much? that that made me able to be more open to a real conversation and and i think once we both were able to do that like really digest the things that scared us most and the things that we were resisting most then then like it just you can just feel the relief it's just like the pressure just leaves and you're able to like have real conversations and and the other thing that was so helpful was just deciding early on that like we would really be able to trust each other deeply and and what that really looked like was that as we kind of asked the hardest questions, we felt it was it was a really fluid situation. And, and so it was a gift to be able to trust that I could say the the my worst thoughts, like say how maybe yeah. I was like feeling really angry one day. And I I felt like I could trust Tim enough to just say exactly how I felt in a completely like un- undoctored way. And I could trust that like, he would just keep that. And like, he wasn't going to, you know, call my mom or so, you know, he wasn't going to write and he wasn't even going to hold me accountable to the things that I was feeling that day. I just, we just needed a place to like, to be able to express the hardest feelings because it, it was a roller coaster. And I think it would have been so hard if, if we had felt like we needed to be reasonable every second and only say, what our very best selves wanted to say, you know, like we, we had to, it was a wrestle and it it was, it was so nice to be able to do that together and, and trust that he would believe in my best self. And, yes. and if I wasn't being my best, that he wasn't going to hold that against me later. And, and I think those situations just made us so close. And, and at the end, I think that the lesson we kept learning together was about just 
acceptance, like just what Eckhart Tolle calls radical acceptance, that whatever Tim did bring to me, I had to learn to just just accept, like not yeah. not resist it in any way. And yeah. and if I could just completely let go of resistance and completely accept what he was saying, then I could feel peace no right. matter no matter what it was. And it was the same for me. Whatever I was feeling in that moment, if I could just totally accept that for some reason today, I feel godless. Like I just feel like there's no one there. If I could accept that and not resist the thought, it made it so much easier to kind of move through those feelings and like and keep learning and keep studying. And and it was the resistance that felt like torture. Resistance just crushes you. And yeah. so that was something we had to, you know, we're still practicing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just allowing yourself to be completely honest with your emotions and feelings and 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 not judgmental about yeah. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you feel like Tim, you leaned into or away from the gospel when you were going through this this faith crisis? Do you feel like you doubled down on your scriptures and going to church? Did you take a break? What was beneficial for you? Because obviously you you have stayed, and 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 you said you you know you've now you have this deep faith, and you're involved in this incredible foundation. Faith matters. What was it for you that ultimately? helped you overcome or accept these doubts and fears and be stronger? Yeah, I, I think at the beginning, it was it was a, a, a true like doubling down, like holding on, holding on tighter than I'd ever held on before, you know, being more diligent with the scriptures and the and the prayer and the temple attendance and the church attendance and, and all those things. But the problem was, and I think you'll hear this from a lot of people that have gone through faith crisis or even that have that have left, that didn't seem to that didn't seem to be helping. And what I, I think in the end, what allowed what really facilitated a transformation of, of my faith was like we talked about sort of a, a letting go. It was trusting in even if at that point, you know, I didn't know what my testimony said about the specifics of what I believed, but yeah. trusting in something something good in the universe that was gonna that was gonna catch me if I let go. And that never and for me it was not it was it was never part of my path to stop going to church or to stop praying entirely or or anything like that but it was a total at, at one at some point at least there was a total acceptance of of uncertainty just a just i'm starting with a with an i don't know and like we talked about too being honest about that with yeah. with aubrey was was totally key and it wasn't it wasn't starting from nothing by the way that's not really what i'm saying like that the first half of life like the foundation that was that I was given in the church of not just belief in in heavenly parents and in Jesus Christ, but in yeah. foundational principles like honesty and you know forthrightness and trustworthiness and right. charity and hope and all of those things. That that's a foundation that I was that I was building on even when I got yeah. to that point where I said I don't know. I don't well, mean it, it. For me, the, this deconstruction was not a wipe the slate clean and start start from right. Things. Well, because you know what, I mean? what, what would be the point, and, and that's a really interesting thought, because what would be the point of anything? If there was no goodness or evil, why, why would we need to be honest or treat others with kindness and respect or reach yes. out to those in charity and love? So that, that has helped me when I've been like, oh, I do not understand this, or this is, this is really hard for me, or even with when I've really diligently fasted and prayed for something that hasn't come my way that I thought I've done everything that I've been was asked to do. And this has not happened for me. And I've had my testimony 
you know, I, I've had to really think, do I really, do I really believe God is listening? There were, there, there have been nights where I've cried out and been like, I don't know if anyone can hear me. I don't, I, I don't know. I believe, but I don't know. And that's a scary thought too. Like, I really hope with all my heart that there's someone there, but then it goes back to, I've had the same things like, okay, treating others with kindness, being honest, being good, helping others. Why does that matter? Is there a force for good and evil in this world? Okay. If there is, what is that force? What is the force for good? And what is the force from, from evil? Is it God and Satan? Is it energy? Is it, you know, and then yeah. work up from there. So I think that's important with people right. that are listening and too, that are like, well, but then what about polygamy and what about, and it's like, okay, but we don't have to go there yet. Go back to good. Is there good and evil? And I know that, I know that there is because I know there is evil. <laughs> like yeah. I, I know there is, there's evil and, and there's darkness. And if there is, there has to be light. And if there is, what is that? And, yeah. and, and who is that? Yeah. And, 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 and there are times, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Carmen. No, please. But, but I was just going to say, even if, even in the times where you don't know what the source of that, of that good or evil is, you can continue to choose good. You know, yes. and, and just the choosing good, I think can be in many cases, the next step forward that you need to take that one, yes. this is one of the ter terrifying things about faith crisis is that we're always catastrophizing. sort of like Aubrey was talking about, like thinking six years in the future to our, to our daughter's, you know, potential baptism or thinking all the way into the eternities. Like yeah. it's, you can, you can feel like everything depends on me figuring out what the rest of eternity looks like right now and yeah. it just doesn't work that way and all you need to do i in this is this has been true for me at least all you need to do is take that one next step forward and i love what you said about about good and evil carmen like th that i've come back to that many times like it is clear unfortunately that there's evil in this world and that yeah. and that also that also the the fact that there's a shadow proves that there's that proves that there's a light and we can always we can always take take one step forward choosing the light regardless of how much we understand what that is i love something, that so much yeah aubrey that, what do you think? Oh, yeah i was just gonna add that at like my very lowest points there was something that thomas mcconkey said on on our podcast once about following your energy and i have thought about that a lot because i think that that is kind of what it came down to for me when I was feeling the very worst. So when I felt the most disconnected and I, I truly felt like I couldn't feel the spirit in the way that I had always defined that, yeah. but energy felt like something accessible to me still. Like I could feel where I felt drawn and where I felt yeah. kind of excited and like what gave, like literally gave me energy and what felt draining. Yeah. And so when I was at my lowest, like that, that is often, and, and I, I still really value this. Like sometimes I don't know if it's the spirit. I like everything feels very very fuzzy, but I can always tell what drains me and what gives me energy. And that has, that is my compass. Like that, I think that is how the spirit speaks to me. But when the language that I had for the spirit was, you know, warm whispers and like comfort and like I, some of that just felt gone. Like I just couldn't, I didn't feel like I was feeling that at all, but I could always recognize where it almost just felt like my body was moving without me. Like this thing feels like just so exciting. I'm going that way. And, and I, I, I've learned to like really trust that. And, and that always feels accessible. Like no matter how dark thing, things feel like this, this feeling of being drained or being energized always seems like e an easy way to tell like which direction is right. Yeah. 
Well, and and I think universally, whether and Thomas his his story is really interesting too, leaving the church and moving to China and, and experiencing Buddhism and then ultimately coming back, but with this amazing new perspective on on life and religion and 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 good and bad and energy and all that. And I think there's this universal, you know, seeking that comes down to what does what does your soul know? Like sometimes we can get so caught up in what our brains know and and what we feel and what's but ultimately when, which is why I think prayer and meditation is just crucial now more than ever, is that when we are still and we just allow ourselves to feel the energy, feel the spirit, what, is your, what does your soul know? And, and, and sometimes when I'm trying to teach my boys a gospel principle or we're watching general conference and I'm like, they are getting nothing out of this. They're like, <laughs> literally fighting and screaming. I have to like, their eyes are not listening. Their ears aren't, but their souls are. And I think that we, we, we pick up and we feel, and, and when we can allow ourselves to be still that there's that knowing there's, there's that knowing that you guys have talked about that, that we, we do know and, and, and we can feel it even when our minds try to maybe complicate it too much is that yeah. come back yeah. to that stillness and that knowing of, okay, I don't, I can't explain this but here's yeah. what I feel. And I'm going off of that for now. Yes. Yep. I love Beautiful. it. So tell me how, how you got involved with faith matters or, or, or what is, was it, what it is. And if people have been listening to this and they're like, oh, this seems like something that would really be beneficial for me or possibly a loved one in my life. Let's talk about that conference coming up October 7th and 8th, the week after general conference, who is it for? And why do you think it's, it, it's important to have a community, you know, instead of just go on the website and read about it, what what do you hope to bring as you as you bring people together? How can that benefit someone from being somewhere in person and feeling that you know the importance of of faith mattering in person with a community? Yeah, I can I can start with sort of the story of how we got involved, and then maybe Aubrey, if you want to talk more about the conference, but I, we've mentioned the work of Fiona and Terrell Gibbons. It was very important to us during this this entire time. And in, a, in about 2017, a podcast came on our radar called Conversations with Terrell Givens. And we were like, oh, we love Terrell Givens. Like, we're going to listen to everything. And we did, of course. And we were like, who's putting this on? Like, we didn't know that other people love Terrell as much as we do. And behind the scenes, it was something called the Faith Matters Foundation. And so we just reached out and said, like, who are you guys? And we'd love to talk more and help if we can. And so we got together with the founders pretty quickly. It's two, it's actually two couples so it's two brothers and their spouses who are the original founders. Their names, their last names, Turnbull, all of all of them. And we got together and really just felt a, an immediate kinship with them and said, if there's any way that we can help at all, we would love to. And I had, you know, a background in entrepreneurship. And so, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, building something from from nothing. And so we got involved behind the scenes in terms of, you know, helping with little marketing efforts and helping with website. And we, we did a few little initial gatherings. Yeah, And then it started to seem like what we really needed was more content for the podcast. And like Aubrey mentioned, this is something that like since 2011, we have literally just like faith topics like this are literally we've discussed every single day of our marriage without <laughs> without fail. And so I think the idea was like, we're having these discussions all the time. Let's well, A, get some better thinkers than just us involved and, yeah. B, we could, and B, we could make it, we could make it public. And so yeah. we, we became the sort of primary hosts of the, of the podcast, though we have other, we have other hosts and, and guest hosts that come on 
quite frequently and and Terrell still does still does host but the name the name of the podcast transitioned from conversations with Terrell Gibbons to Faith Matters and it's been a really it's been a really really meaningful experience for it I mean even just like we would do this even if nobody were listening to it just because it's so helpful for us yeah but at the same time it has it has seemed to to resonate and and you know after you know a couple really long years of of covid and you know continuing to do this and feeling like that there really is a community of of listeners that it was time to yeah. time to start to get get together awesome and i would just add i feel like we've been doing the podcast for a couple of years now and and i think that the most common message that we get is is something that feels kind of like confiding like someone confiding that like they are quietly having this really difficult faith crisis and they don't know who to talk to and they think that they're the only one in their ward and it's just it, i under i get that like it, it is such an isolating experience and it kind of feels like a confession like it feels like to to admit to anyone feels like you're admitting like this hard awful thing and and i just i just wish i could like gift everyone this assurance that like they're definitely not the only one in their ward and that there isn't anything to be ashamed of and that this can really be a signal that your faith is growing and maturing and like it, it is such a gift to be able to wrestle in this new way like they're just you, the growing pains hurt but like it's it's so fruitful and it just felt like maybe the best thing that we could do for this little community would be just be in person together like be in a room where you can look around and know that all thousand people that are sitting next to you have at least had these thoughts before. And even if you don't have a conversation, I think there is something so beautiful about just being in solidarity together. And so that's what we're really hoping for people. Uh, obviously, we'll have speakers from that have been on the podcast guests, like our, our favorite guests from the podcast, some of them. Awesome. And, and some amazing music, which will hopefully be a really cool immersive worship experience. It will be things that we don't usually get at a sacrament meeting, but I think that it will be really, it will be really fun and kind of new. But mostly I think that the the most important thing will just be being together in a room with people who know how it feels, who know, and maybe they haven't necessarily had a faith crisis, but they're interested in these big, expansive ideas. And, and yeah. that all by itself is, there's just a beautiful feeling in, in that in those kind of conversations. Like it, yeah. it, it's exciting, like it's exciting and it feels like it's opening up instead of getting smaller. And I think that to be together with other people who have found that excitement and that energy will will really be memorable. So we're we're counting down the days, we're excited. Yeah, and like Aubrey said at the end there, it like, it, to be clear, Faith Matters is not a is not a faith crisis podcast and, the, and yeah. Restore, which we're calling the conference Restore, is not a faith cri crisis conference. We talk about those things and we talk about faith development a lot, but there is a there is a, a very strong underlying element of just sort of exploring how big this gospel really is and how big it was. It's always been meant to be incorporating the wisdom of of other traditions, mining for the the gems in our own in our own tradition, occasionally talking about some of the struggles that we have both institutionally and personally, and just being really honest about about faith journeys. And so that's really the thrust of of both of these things. And it's been it's been a really, a really big honor for us to be involved. Oh, thank you for for thinking about this in town, you had to do the Salt Lake Temple and the incredible renovations that are going on right now. I mean, you would not even believe you can watch online all, all of the crazy things that are happening and how they are restoring this. And I mean, it's it, it and it's this 
long, years long process. But I think that that's what I that's what I'm going to take away from this podcast is what you said, Aubrey, about you know your faith journey about how it's it, black and white and then moves to this wait a minute, I'm kind of shaken up and you're kind of in this renovation phase, ultimately get to be stronger and better and more beautiful and more firm in your beliefs in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going through asking these questions and kind of tearing down previous thoughts or, or really digging deep into what do I really think about this is not a lack of it, it doesn't mean you are not being faithful. It, it, it's not a lack of faith. It's it's strengthening it. And when you can, when you can face that head on and and do the work and put it in, then you can come across, you know, come out on the other side like you two have so beautifully with deeper faith and and a greater appreciation for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for helping others deepen their faith. And like you said, Tim, it, find beautiful truths in, in, in many different things and, and in other religions and, and, and find beauty in you know, all sorts of different things, meditation and, and music and nature and how all of these things really do depict and bear testimony of a loving heavenly father and Jesus Christ. And we're all trying to get there. And I think that this Faith Matters Conference is going to be October 7th and 8th in Salt Lake City at the Salt Palace. Can they just go to Faith Matters? Yes. Yeah, faithmatters.org slash restore, which is okay. the name of the conference. Restore. And you'll, you'll be able to, yeah, restore. And that's, yeah, you'll be able to sign up right there. And it's so beautiful. Well, I, I'm so grateful, Tim and Aubrey, that you've taken time to talk with me today. This has been such a beautiful and uplifting conversation. And thank you for being honest and open. I truly think I'm an open book. And sometimes my husband's like, close your book. <laughs> close your book. They don't need to know. If someone asks you how you are, you don't need to say, let me tell you, <laughs> but, that's, but that's the only way I know how to be. And I honestly think the more we are just open and honest, the more we can help each other and learn yeah. from each other and grow. And so I think in sharing these hard, difficult things, it can only, when done under the spirit and right circumstances and all that can only be beneficial. And really, truly, we are all just helping each other home. That's the whole purpose of this yeah. life. And and with all of our rocks bumping into each other, we're all just trying to get smooth together. So I think what you two do, are doing is amazing and and with faith matters. And I just, I'm so excited to finally have met you guys and, and have talked with you today. And thank you for all the good you are doing. Thank you thank so you much, Carmen. Well. This is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. We can really sense that openness in you too. And it's just, it's been a real honor to be here. So thank you. Thank you guys. 